Welcome to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. I'm a conventionally trained physician sharing how the body heals and how you can access this state of healing effortlessly. Hello. You should be live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Body TV. I'm so grateful to be here. I have an amazing guest today. Um, I'm going to be sharing um, our theme for today, really, about when we're on this journey of awakening or healing or, or whatever you're going to kind of call it, um, how we can get kind of caught up making our experiences wrong. Because as we start to awaken, there's actually more stuff we sense and more stuff we feel and more stuff that comes up. And then it's like, what's wrong? I thought I'm supposed to be in this, you know, bliss. It's supposed to be all awesome. I'm creating my reality. I must be doing something wrong. But then actually go through this dark night of the soul where there's like anxiety, panic, severe depression, heaviness that we encounter, which is actually just the energy coming up to be be released. It's no longer needs to be part of your system, but it can be a big glitch when we're on this journey because we think there's something wrong. I'm doing it wrong. And so that resistance could have us stay in that period for years or decades and kind of like think this is our life or even get a diagnosis, be put on medication and have this like definition of self that I'm this depressed person or I have this anxiety disorder. And then, you know, it's really not exactly, it, it, it's not what happened, it's happening on any level. So Aaron Abke, for those of you who don't know him, is uh, just an amazing, amazing student of so many different profound spiritual works, of course, in miracles, the law of one. Um, and he's offered on his YouTube channel and to people he's working with a really profound um, perspective to uh, integrate your own awakening, right? It's not like, I'm going to teach you and you're in this hierarchy. Help me, help me. I, I found that when I learn from Aaron, it immediately grounds me into my wholeness. It immediately grounds me into the truth in me that is coming through his broadcast. Um, so, so I was so excited to have him on and so grateful he's able to be here um, to speak on this. And there's like a million ways, different directions we can go with this. But um, welcome, Aaron. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with our community. Thank you so much, Kim. And I, I really appreciate the kind words in your introduction as well. Thank you. So for those of you who are new to this broadcast, I am a physician who has really left the entire sort of system of emergency medicine, critical care, and now have really dedicated my life and my work entirely to mind-body medicine. The body has the ability to heal itself. The mind and body are connection. Form, the physical follows the energetic and our attention. And this is the biggest key that I've found for healing any illness or uh, resolving uh, anything, challenges that are going on to our life that have us seem to be very stuck. So um, this broadcast for Mind Body TV, we, we've got a different topic each week. Um, and they're kind of all saying the same thing, right? You have power, you are already whole, and it's just bringing the cellular, physical, the mental, and the emotional onto that level and that channel of truth. Um, so I, I'd love you, Aaron, to speak to um, where do we, and, and also your own personal journey, bring that in as well. But um, what is this that happens when we get stuck in that like anxiety, depression, what's wrong with me? We begin to awaken, wow, I'm creating my reality. But now all that judgment and all that attachment makes it such a glitchy uphill battle. 
Yeah, it really does. And, and one of the blessings I think we have on, on this journey is that energy never lies. So the bottom line is, you know, you can think you're as spiritual as you want or as, or as healed as you want, but if you're not experiencing peace or love for all beings, then, you know, it's a sign that there is something still left to be healed in you, right? So really my journey of healing has become so much more simplified, I feel, over time in that in the beginning, I was so heady with it and trying to conceptualize it all and analyze everything so much. And it's just become now this, um, this intimate tuning into self of how am I feeling right now? Do I feel bliss? Do I feel joy? Do I feel happiness? If the answer is no, what needs to be healed? What needs to be loved? And then it's a process of just allowing that feeling, whatever it might be, sadness, hopelessness, anxiety, fear, whatever, allowing myself to feel it completely as if it's a broken or fragmented sort of aspect of myself or my energy body that needs to be taken back into the whole again, into that wholeness, like you mentioned. And so I let myself feel that. And then I just give as much love and compassion literally to that energy of the fear or the anxiety or the sadness. And I just speak to it in, inwardly and just say, it's, there's nothing wrong with feeling this way. It isn't wrong that you feel afraid. It isn't wrong that you feel hopeless or sad. I love you just as you are. And I will be here to give you this love that you're, you're seeking as long as you feel this way. And that does a couple of things that I think are really powerful. The first one is it disassociates me from identifying, right? Yeah. Now I'm no longer saying it's my sadness. I am the one who is sad. Yeah. It's more like someone I love who's sad, right? If, if my mom or my, my fiance or somebody is sad, what do we do? We sit with them. We listen to them. We let them speak to us. We don't say like, I'm so tired of feeling your sadness. Would you just please get happy already? That's like so abusive, right? But don't we do that to ourselves just constantly? So, so for me, it's become much more simple in that way of, you know, it's really the essence of true meditation, isn't it? Can I just allow everything to be exactly as it is? And when I do that, the energy starts to speak to me or it will start to speak to you and it will have a voice and it will start to tell you maybe why it's so sad or why it's so afraid. And once it tells you why, you know, love is so powerful in that the feminine approach is so much more immediate than the masculine approach because with love, love removes all the reason. Like it doesn't even need to know why it doesn't need to have all the answers. It's just like, I love you because period, because love is love is what I am. And when you just give energy love, it's like that part of you that was in the shadow that didn't feel safe to be seen of like, Oh, you know, maybe I'm a spiritual teacher or a spiritual influencer. And I'm afraid to show my vulnerability or my brokenness. So I need to keep that part of me in the shadow. And when it comes up, I'm like, oh, can, can you just get healed already? Come on, I'm supposed to be spiritual. And it's like so many ways we do this <clears throat> very subtly without noticing it. So instead, when we just love everything that arises indiscriminately, then we let that part of us come out of the shadow. And it's like, am I going to be rejected this time? You say, no, my darling, of course you're not. I love you just as you are. Let's hang out. I want to I spend time with you. And the second it feels safe enough to come into the light, that's the healing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other big, big piece is the attachment we have. Okay. I'll do this process. Why isn't my body healed yet? Okay. I'll do this process. Why am I in so much pain? It's supposed yeah. to be working. It's supposed to be. Results. Yeah. 
And that first stage, and, and I just had a private client text me and it's exactly this coming up. And she's beginning to let that in that because the ego will throw up that smoke stream to keep you busy, busy, trying to fix it and keep you hopeless, hopeless. You'll never be able to fix it. Keep trying. It's not working. And yeah. so if you can hear the voice of the one who's hopeless and helpless, uh, you don't become the one who actually is hopeless and helpless. You don't make it your reality anymore. You witness, oh, wow, this part of me that feels hopeless and thinks I'm not getting anywhere with this approach. And one of the big things that you said with like, well, how am I really feeling is kind of the whole foundation of, of what I've seen with chronic illness that lets it guide us is that you have this physical sensation or this, you know, a headache, migraines, autoimmune disease, severe fatigue. And then you feel underneath that, what is actually here? Oh, I feel hopeless. I'll never get beyond this. Right. Oh, I feel helpless. It doesn't matter how hard I work at it. Nothing will change. And that these energies are, are typically what are really there for us to embrace, uh, which is kind of the theme for today is like that dark night of the soul. When we meet that space where all we are is hopelessness and all we are is it's impossible. Um, that what we're saying is yes to that moment that's where you you find the potency in that space of complete and utter darkness that lets it begin to dissolve yeah it, it's so similar isn't it with the physical and the spiritual in the sense of like the way that we do this with our body is the same way we do it with our mind and our thoughts and our feelings we live in this kind of society of masking and, and avoiding and suppressing right are all of our medications are not actually medicines, but suppressants. Yeah. And so we're just taught like, oh, if you do you feel bad, watch this Netflix show. Are you bored with your life? You know, watch, go on TikTok. There's interesting things happening. Yeah. And it's like, we're anything. Feel better, feel better, feel better. Yeah. Instant results, come on. It's like McDonald's or something. Like I want it, I want satiation right now. And real spiritual or physical progress doesn't work like that, right? It's a, it's a gradual becoming, becoming self-actualizing and evolving. And so you've got to be willing to sit with stuff. You've got to be willing to listen. Just like, you know, the spiritual symptoms are what I feel emotionally. The physical symptoms are what my body's telling me. And then we go to a doctor in, in the West, at least. And the doctor says, oh, you have these symptoms. Well, let's just stuff those down with some chemicals. And they just give you some pills to take. It's like, just take this pill and just keep barreling through life and don't change anything about your diet or lifestyle that's causing this illness. Just ignore it and take these pills that help you ignore it. And it's like, don't we do that spiritually too? Yeah. And, and I, Colleen is saying, I've been trying to heal chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia for 27 years. Um, and, and I want to speak a little bit and thank you guys for tuning in to what people are sharing from uh, where you're tuning in from. Um, and, and I think a lot of people have, are sending you a lot of love, Aaron, too. I was just journaling about this. It's hard to let go of the attachment. I feel that part of me will always be there. Yes. This is what we're talking about. Hello from Crete. Hello from Paris. Hello from Kentucky. Nice. <laughs> Hello from BC, Canada, Iowa, Las Vegas, Germany, <laughs> Henrika. That was sweet. Thank you two of my favorite YouTubers together. All right, so um, definitely keep sharing your comments or where you're tuning in from in the world. Um, but I think this is the piece that can give us the most uh, inspiration when we're in that moment. And I always tell people like, you're in your most potent moment. 
if you take that one breath of yes in that space of uh, it's been 27 years, like Colleen is saying, or uh, I feel this will always be here. And you've helped me do that differentiation of like, oh, it's my ego that says it will always be here. I'll never get out of this. I'll always be this hopeless, messy wreck of a shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my ego saying that. Okay. I love you, ego. Because my ego learned this. It got hurt. It got judged. It learned to judge it like learned a bunch of crap. And if I just love it, it will actually release. It doesn't have any more power. Mm-hmm. And, and would you just share like in your personal journey, what's been the best way to move through when you're really looking at that dragon? And that's the, that's the only thing here is that darkness. Mm. Great question. <laughs> well, You know, it started for me really at uh, 27 and I had that sort of dramatic spiritual awakening that left me in a, you know, totally liberated state of consciousness for two weeks. And then when I, um, when that state sort of, when I came out of that state through my ego coming back online, I was, um, I was like clinging onto it with a death grip. I didn't want to let it go because I was, I didn't want to go back to the suffering in the dark night of the soul again. I had finally tasted the freedom that I'd wanted so bad. And it was a million times more beautiful than I even imagined it would be. And the, the first thought that, that came online from the ego was this thought that said um, it was two weeks to the day after I had the dramatic awakening moment where I had <clears throat> unbroken bliss and peace of mind and just a totally silent mind. And then the first thought came at the two week mark when I noticed it had been two weeks and I woke up and looked at my calendar and was like, it's been two weeks. That's a long time. I wonder if this is my permanent state. Boom. And something tried to claim it, right? It's my state. It's whose state, whose, whose state does this belong to? And the answer of course is nobody, right? It isn't anybody's state. It's just the nature of what is, it's just reality, right? It's the absence of a person. It's the absence of an ego of a voice in the head. And so as the ego kept coming back online and commenting on it, oh no, you're losing it, you're losing it. It's very tricky, right? I don't wanna lose it. And I'm now I'm identifying, I'm speaking as that separate self. And of course, now I can look back and go, lose what? Go where? That doesn't make any sense. You can't lose something that's inherent to your being. You're just now giving attention to a false voice, right? A false constructed identity. I like to say the ego is a um, uh, entity pretending to be like it's running you and pretending to be you. And because you're so used to that happening, we just it's sort of an automatic mode, right? That voice in the head is me. Of course, it's me. But at the same time, it's causing all of your suffering. It's leading you away from everything you want. So can you really say it's you? I mean, if you had a button in front of you right now and you could press it to, to mute the ego forever and have everlasting peace, wouldn't we all be smashing that button? Yeah, exactly. So I can't actually, with honesty, say that it is me. And that differentiation of being able to see that within myself and then get really familiar with that voice whenever it arises was the process of mm-hmm. integrating that state of inner liberation. And so I think the loving relationship is the key because the more we love something, the more, the more imbued we are with love, period, the more sensitive we become to anything that isn't love, right? 
So when that voice of separation speaks and says, you're just not good enough, you'll always be this way. You'll never overcome this thing. You go, oh, that's such an unloving thought. Yeah. That can't be coming from love then. So whose thought is it? Oh, it's the poor, sad, broken ego. I love you, ego. You don't have to see yourself that way. And you go right into the loving mode again. Yeah. So that increasing sensitivity for me has been the, the game changer of allowing me to recognize almost instantly when that voice arises in the mind. Yeah. So presence, you have to be present enough yeah. to feel the pain of buying into it. I think that's a major medicine. Um, pain of buying into it. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And the thing that as a, as a physician in the standpoint I've approached things from, I don't think a lot of people still get is that that persona, that ego, that thing I think I am creates our physiology, turns on certain parts of our genes and, and codes of our DNA and literally will have an entirely different landscape of, um, you know, there were studies done and this was way back in like the eighties where they found people with multiple personalities. And in one personality, the person would be a brittle diabetic. Like I'm not making any insulin at all. You have to tightly, tightly monitor and control my whole physiology. Yeah. And then in the other personality, I'm 100% healthy. I can eat whatever I want. And so you're seeing like, wait a minute, this is the same physical body. And the body, the body is, it, right? It's taken over. It's taken yeah. over by that ego. Um, and it's sending the messages and the chemical signals and the hormones. And it's creating that whole physiologic picture, which you can call disease. You can call it diabetes. You can call it MS. You can call it autoimmune. You can call it. And now they're making up new labels for stuff because like, the system is just coming up with all these weird creative ways of getting off track. And we just call this a disease and you think I'm this disease or I have this disease, right. but it's like, you're saying, who is the I that's not actually even who I am. And who would I, uh, how could I embody myself in ease and peace? So my physiology could be in harmony and there is no disease. Yes. You said it so well, who is that? I, the I is the part of the mind that believes it is the disease. So like my definition for ego, when people say, what is the ego, right? There's so many confusing definitions. Somebody will say, it's your personality. Another person will say, oh, the ego is your sense of self. And I totally disagree with all of those definitions. To me, the ego is simply the mental activity of identifying which is why we say the ego doesn't exist. So what, what do you mean it doesn't exist? You talk about it all the time, you teach about it, and then you say it doesn't exist. Are you trying to confuse us or something? And that, that saying of the ego doesn't exist is kind of a pointer, right, to a deeper truth, which is the truth that it isn't a static entity or an object or anything at all that can be weighed or measured. It's an activity. It's a function, right? It's, it's a happening. So when that activity is present, we call it ego. When it's not present, we call it peace. So it, it isn't someone doing something to you, right? It's an activity of the mind that has evolved through evolution. And we can trace it all the way back to our evolutionary past, which I do in a lot of my teachings, which gives us more context for how this part of our mind evolved. But we can just say evolution put this in place as a survival mechanism, right? To help protect us and keep us safe from danger. So it's that part of your mind that's trying to capture information that's that's seen as a threat to you or seen as something that can enhance you. Either one is a desire or a fear. It wants enhancement and it doesn't want detriment. Either one of those things, it needs to capture that information and save it for later so it can remind you, hey, this desire is really good. Hey, this 
obstacles really dangerous, stay away. And that capturing of information happens through the process of identifying. I am this thought, this feeling, this story, this memory, this happened to me. I'm the little self who was threatened, who was attacked, who was abused. And so it, it's a hard trap to get out of initially because there's so much momentum, right? The mind is just constantly identifying everything I do. There's this sense of an I who does it. But in a larger spiritual context, we say, hey, do your best to take that I that's doing everything all alone out of the equation and just know that it's actually the power of life that's doing everything. Life, the supreme force of the universe, is living everything. And it's actually not that hard to see it, Kim. I can look out my window, right, and see planes flying, birds flying, people walking, cars driving. And I go, ah, look at it. It's all just happening. You know, the universe is just out there happening. It's all just the universe in motion. But in here, there's a separate, isolated, independent self that's making all its own choices apart from that universe. And that's what gets us into trouble. Seeing ourselves as separate. Seeing ourselves as separate. And 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 as a thing. Yes. You know, Christine said it makes so much sense, but it's hard to do when you've been in victim mode for several years, which is kind of what you're speaking to is like that first momentum of that change where I am this identity and, and the brain patterns and neurologic patterns and hormonal signals and everything's been integrated to the, I am this broken person. I am this diseased person. I am this victim. Let's say like that Yeah. to initially make those, you know, it's like the exponential growth curve. It's like nothing, 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 nothing. Yeah. And it's like, wait, maybe there's a little, and then boom, it's, it's taking off. Yeah. I think for me, it's been helpful to remember that's the growth curve. So it's irrelevant that it feels like nothing, 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 nothing in stage one, it's going to feel like nothing. But if you remember, you are on the curve, you are on that exponential growth curve and that it's supposed to feel like nothing in the beginning, because that's where, um, you're actually shifting your consciousness greatly that first stage, which is like, I'm still in the disease slash problem, but I'm aware I'm in this problem. I'm aware. I feel like crap. Right. And a lot of people, you'd be surprised. They're not aware they feel anything. They're like, let me just go be addicted or let me just go over work. And I'm working so hard, but I'm great. I'm doing good. And everything's fine. This is not true, but they're not aware at all that they're in a story. So that first stage you come into where you're like, I'm miserable. This is 20 out of 10 excruciating and I'm aware of it. And you think this is worse, but you actually just made a quantum leap into a a higher conscious, exponentially higher consciousness than like 99% of the population and people you see around you. And that willingness to be in that stage one where it does kind of feel like that and you're not seeing it working, working, whereas it's not working. You're not seeing it. Uh, That is the stage where if you remember what we're saying here today, you can be like, oh yeah, that's because it's not going to feel like that right now. And it's okay. Cause in that stage one, the ego's like going to tell me nothing, nothing's happening. You're a failure. You're a total loser. You'll never get this. And you're like, oh, I'm on to you. Yes to that. It's okay. I think this, it's okay. I feel this way. And that's when you really start to accelerate. Absolutely. One of the, one of the really important things to understand about the nature of life is that it's a vibration. Um, the way we experience life is a vibration. Everything in the universe is vibrating. We know that anything that doesn't vibrate is what we call dead. And so 
your experience of life, your spiritual growth will be like that. It isn't sort of like you said, with the exponential growth curve, like we expect it, that it should be like linear, like the better it gets, the better it should always get. And it doesn't really work like that with, with any kind of growth. Right. But certainly with spiritual growth, it's, it's more of a nonlinear process, meaning some people liken it to a spiral. Yeah. You, you kind of revisit the same issue again and again, but the, the spiral's a little tighter this time. You're making a little more progress this time. And that's how our souls need to integrate. We need lots of experience and lots of chances at the same catalyst to finally integrate it. And so I like this, the vibration example, because it's, it's really clear with the positive, negative polarities, right? We just, this is kind of the way life goes. We'll experience a high or a spike. That's the positive. Something good happens. We have a breakthrough, some growth. But then in order to keep growing, life has to, now that we've experienced that growth, dip us back down into the negative polarity, which is a challenge or a catalyst or a trial in my life. And the problem is the ego's voice is the voice that clings to pleasure and pushes away pain, right? So when there's pleasure there, it says, yes, finally, I'm free. Oh, my God, finally, something good is happening. And the harder you cling to the, the spikes, the harder the crashes will feel, right? The, the dips will be even more painful. So instead, we say, stop clinging to pleasure and running from pain. Just be open and free, right? Just accept whatever arises. As A Course in Miracles says, all things are lessons that God would have me learn. So I like to often say that, you know, the way to see your life is that God is either, you know, kissing you with pleasure or teaching you with pain. But both are ultimately a good thing in that sense that they are working for my highest actualization. If I can just allow a challenge to be in my life without resisting it or saying it shouldn't be there, but say, no, if this challenge is arising, it's because I need it. It's because life knows I need it because it's trying to cultivate something in me, right? It's trying to teach me more patience, more forgiveness, more perseverance, more courage, more self-empowerment, whatever. It's trying to bring a good quality out of me. So I can't go, I can't work out at the gym and make any progress in my fitness without challenging myself. So can I just see my spiritual growth that way? And that's that nonlinear pattern of, you know, up and down, up and down, but the trajectory is slowly moving upwards. And at a certain point, which we classically call enlightenment, we transcend the pair of opposites, right? We transcend that positive negative interplay. And we say, it's all good. It's all the divine. There's nothing to cling to or to resist. And so if a challenge happens, it just, we don't have the ability to resist it anymore. We just have lost that ability. And so it never feels like the gaining of something as much as it feels like the removing of something. I think A Course in Miracles says, enlightenment is not a learning, but an unlearning. I love that quote. The program. And, and, and a lot of times we're, we're ask, even asking questions from the program. So we're still just, the ego is just trying to get fed. Right. And you know, one of the things I think that's important to remember is, um, I know for me, that we can access inspiration at any moment in that journey. And when we release the attachment to, I have to physically feel good and, and or, you know, my body has to physically feel good in order that I feel that inspiration, or even for me, I have to emotionally feel good in order to feel that inspiration those two like releasing that attachment really created the most freedom for me where when i am in that real real heaviness of like another spiral around that 
powerlessness, hopelessness comes up, which kind of always comes up just before, like when I'm having the biggest expansions in my life, it's what's going to come up. Um, what I found is that if I, um, I, cause you have this little part of all oh, this little part of me that knows, oh my God, I know what's happening. This is the, this is the potent moment. Mm -hmm. This shit moment is actually the potent moment of all of that density, a whole new layer of that density releasing from my system. So I am truly free to a whole higher degree. And so it's important to remember, you don't have to feel like crap on every level just because you're in that density. You can remember what we're saying today. And someone actually just said, um, oh, I would find the comment, like for 30 years, I felt sick. This is the best, the most lightest moment I've had listening to you. Like it, that says a lot, right? Because there's truth resonating in you, but we can access that at any moment in the journey, even when we're in the densest, densest thing. And for me, the way that I, I did that was to not require that I physically feel good, to not require that I emotionally feel good. And then eventually it was to not even require that I believe any of this stuff we're saying right now, because then it's conditional. It's like, what if I don't even believe it anymore? I'm in that much darkness that I'm like, it's all crap. Everything I've faced mm -hmm. my whole life on is crap that I can still have 2% of myself go, yep, this is what's falling away. It's okay that I'm in this level of density that I don't see light anywhere or even think there's light anywhere. And yes, that is what I've found to be like where there's unconditional freedom no matter what I'm feeling or experiencing and where um, I come back to more potency and power than I've ever had before in my life. And you've seen it get created in your life. And I want to say congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. <laughs> Boyd mentioned that. And I was like, Oh, so lit up and excited. Um, but you've seen like manifestation happen in your life, like as a direct result of your letting go and oh, of your yes. attachment. Big time. Yeah. And so much get created. Like you're, you stepped out. You can talk a little bit about, um, so people don't, I, not everybody knows you, but stepping away from this whole career of like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing to like the no man's land of, no, I'm not going to do that. There's something deeper in me. And then letting that establish itself and show you, oh, go this way. Oh, do it this way. And now you have a structure and you have a lifestyle that's being supported by this thing that was maybe the great unknown and scary space. Right. Yeah. Well, I like how you're touching on the idea of you have to drop those expectations. <clears throat> if you have expectations, you're you're just setting up a future failure, right? Because at some point your expectation won't be met. And if you're in that expectation mode, it should look this way. It should happen this way. That's what ego does, right? It's always trying to predict what's the next thing coming. Is it pleasure or pain? If it's pleasure, I'm ready to grab it. If it's pain, I'm ready to block it. And life is not predictable. It just isn't. It, good luck. You know, <laughs> it's going to be a rough ride. You're trying to predict life. So a lot of that dropping away looks like, uh, as you said earlier, just this, this really intense presence of just, let me just merge with what is now what's happening now in my life. And when we do that, we get really honest about stuff. I think what's not authentic for me anymore. Where am I betraying my integrity in my life? Where am I not being true to who I am? You know, those, those things become very important and very obvious when we become present with life rather than always trying to predict life. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of what happened with me, I think. Uh, at, at 27, 
I'd been doing the fitness modeling thing in San Francisco and bodybuilding. And I was a personal trainer at Google. You know, I was, I was going to go that route of pursuing whatever that would lead to in the fitness industry. But I knew it wasn't really the real me. It was like this way I was trying to feel special or feel validated or like I had something to offer the world. And the closer I got to that awakening moment at 27, I knew it was inauthentic, but I didn't have anything else to go for. I didn't have anything else that I felt safe enough to leave it all behind and take a new path. And so after the awakening experience, it gave me such a contrast that now I had tasted it, right? I had tasted what I'd been longing for so much. And I knew, wow, now I can't, no part of me can deny this anymore. That that state of liberation or enlightenment or freedom or whatever you want to call it, it's absolutely available for the human in this life. And now that I've tasted it, there isn't anything else worth going for. There just isn't. Like I can't be interested in anything else because it's so much better. My, my own true nature is so much better than anything else. So when, when I had that total conviction of it's all over for me, right? There's nothing else worth going for in life. That's when dropping the old and, and embracing the new is just like a natural effortless thing. And then that's when, as you said, my life just became blessed beyond my wildest comprehension. It truly did. There's so many pieces there. I just want to say first, there's so many people in medicine, whether they're doctors or nurses or in just the wellness field in general, that are feeling that so intensely. I bet. They're like the more bought in we are to, I'm a doctor, this is my identity, the more we can't see a possibility that lies beyond it. So we keep trying to fit into that structure so hard. And I have so much compassion for everyone who's in this community who falls into that category. And I, I think that Aaron's presence can really allow that piece in you that knows it's okay to let that go. There is absolutely something much, much more profound here for you that will take care of you. Um, that his presence can ground that voice in you and that knowing in you in a way that's more tangible that you can start to follow um, and take action and and let a new creation happen. And I, and I loved when you said it can be so much better for the human um, instead of like, it could be better for me. I can have this. I did a broadcast, I think like three or four weeks ago, that was about how to, how to take care of your human. And that like, you're not this body. Yeah. You're the one in charge of like responding and nurturing and noticing, um, the body and to let the body upgrade as it's upgrading into the, the highest version of itself. Um, but how powerful when we met, we remember like what's possible for my human, and like, do I want to keep going to this job I hate and doing this thing and being this persona or like, oh, kill me now. I, I hate it. Um, and actually open to like that the human experience is guiding you to there's something else evidenced by the fact that this feels like pain, that that is evidence that there is already something else. Um, so could you speak a little of like what, what you do to tune into that and then let it guide you and let it become tangible and, and obviously then create and manifest? I think the first problem is, or the first hurdle is getting over the fear of the transition of leaving the old and embracing the new. I'm so afraid I'm not going to, if I quit my job and I go for a new career or a new approach to my career, like a, a doctor might do. Um, what will happen in that intermediate period? I might lose my home and my mortgage and be thrown on the street and all this stuff. And the mind just spirals into fear mode, right? 
every fear of the ego, if you investigate it far enough, it's always just the fear of death, right? You can find that out by saying, and then what? So I'm afraid, I'm afraid if I lose my job, well, and then what? Well, then I won't have any money. And then what? Well, then I won't buy any food. And then what? Well, then I'll starve to death. Okay, so you're afraid that quitting your job is a death sentence, right? That's what the ego is ultimately afraid of. So can you see that that's not realistic or you know, rational in any way? And can you also find the part of you that trusts a higher power? Can you find a part of you that says, no, I know in my the deepest part of my being that if I get into alignment with what's right for me, with what's authentic for me, life will honor that and respond to that. Because look, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, what career you're in. If you're not fulfilled to the highest joy that you're doing what your soul came here to do, you cannot be happy in this life. It's a built-in defense mechanism the universe made to make sure that you find your calling. If it doesn't make you happy, if it doesn't set you free, it's not for you. You'll know what's for you because it will feel like, I would do this for free if I had to. <laughs> find that thing, right? That the fear goes away because it's like, well, okay, maybe I will lose my house and my job. And, oh, the worst possible thing that could ever happen will happen. But you know what? Better to be free on the streets than a prisoner in my own house. So some part of you just gives yourself permission to go for it. And that's what qualifies you, right? I like to say your desire for it is what qualifies you for it. So the ego will say, I don't know if I'm good enough, if I'll make it, if I'm, you know, adequate enough to succeed in that thing. And I say, well, do you have a passion for it? Oh, it's all I think about that. Boom. Game over. That's all you need to know. If you're passionate about it, you're qualified to do it because guess what? It isn't your passion, meaning you, the person, right? All desire, all passion is the universe's passion. And it's looking for a body to manifest itself through. So if you feel struck with that lightning bolt of passion for anything, you can know for certain it's the universe's passion wanting to be made manifest through. Oh, God, that is such a great way to say it. So like, get out of the way, right? Allow that passion to happen through you. And I think for, um, for myself and I think people in, in the field I've been in or like a lot of people I come in contact with, it's even worse than death. Like I would have taken death every day over <laughs> yes. what I was afraid. I was, it was like the shame and embarrassment of like, people are going to see, I really am totally full of it. I'm totally okay. nothing. I'm, I'm crazy because then we think it's sane what everyone else is doing. Like they go to do the thing and it seems like they're doing fine and they're pulling it off. Why can't I pull it off? And like I, I was saying before, like 99% of people, they're not feeling anything. They're, it's yeah. all there, but they're not aware of any of it. So they they oh yeah, I'm doing so great. And then you look around, you're like, it must be just me. That yes. was, I think, what I was uh, really afraid to meet was like, what if I fall on my butt? And then it's like, okay, you're gonna fall on your butt. And then these very specific people in your life are gonna think these very specific things about you. And I had to just kind of meet that, like, all right, I'm willing to let them think this, this, and this. And then I'm willing to like, have myself feel whatever that's going to have me feel. And eventually the same thing, like come to an unwinding of that, where that's still, um, that's still nothing compared to like not stepping into my wholeness. You, you've yeah. got to let it be bigger at some point that the dedication yeah. to the wholeness, which I think I've really seen in your work that, and that's why there's so much power is like your dedication to truth trumps your dedication to 
I want to show people and I want to be successful at this and I want to be a good leader and I want to be, you know, even those little things, the ego is like, those are altruistic. I'm helping people, but it's still bullshit and has a lot of people who are like leaders be two degrees off center. So they're not actually in a, a space of authentic power. They're in a space of like ego bullshit. So they're taking the spiritual truths and they're like teaching you, but nothing happens. You're like, I don't feel more more whole when I watch this person. I got 10 more things on my to-do list I got to work on because they're telling me this really smart stuff, but I didn't actually enter a a higher frequency. And and I think this is one of the most important parts about what you're doing is that when people watch a video, it's a transmutation that happens in their system just by presencing and watching what you're saying. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that is totally a reflection of the state I'm in when I'm putting together a video or something. I just pour my heart and soul into those videos to make sure people can feel it. Like I want people to not just get information, but I want them to have an experience watching the video. And so whenever somebody reflects that to me, it means the most because that's absolutely my highest intention. When I make a video, I want to somehow like transmit how I feel about this topic into your feeling center so that you can have the same you can feel that same state of being that gives you the permission, the empowerment or whatever to believe that in yourself, to actualize that in yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's that it's what you're touching on. It's that fear of what other people think about me. That's so dangerous and such a limitation because you'll be afraid to step out into the unknown. Cause what will they think if I fail? And, and if you are stepping out and you're doing something, then you're doing it for other people. I want them to see me this way. I want them to think I'm a great teacher. And it's like, Stop that. You are hampering your destiny by thinking that you're here to live your life or your destiny for other people. You're not. You're here to live your destiny for your own soul. And look, if someone's in a low enough vibration to judge you for what you're doing, then have deep compassion for them because that's a suffering soul. And the people whose opinion really matters, who are truly evolved and in a higher state of consciousness like you want to be, they won't judge you and they'll be glad that you're stepping out, right? So it's a win-win either way. If I care what people in a low vibration think about me, in a sense, I'm as insane as they are, right? I'm in the same vibration they are. <clears throat> From a higher plane of awareness, it doesn't matter what somebody in a state of judgment thinks about me because you just recognize, sort of like the Course in Miracles says, just be kind always because everyone's fighting a difficult battle. So you stop taking things personally and you realize, look, everyone's just reflecting their current state of consciousness to me. So if they're being negative in any way, it's because they're in a negative state of consciousness, which means their judgments and opinions about me should be the last ones that matter, right? And the people who are truly actualized and healed and evolved will obviously never judge someone who's putting themselves out there to follow their destiny, right? Yes. We had to get ourselves off the hook first and forgive ourselves, and then we can receive that. Wow, this person's actually only judging me because... They're lost in their own pain. Exactly. Well, well I want to speak to this too. Someone's asking, um, so do we create a re- our own reality by rehearsing a vision of the future with an elevated emotion? Like Dr. Joe Dispenza says. Um, and I really respect what Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing in his work. It's absolutely incredible. And for many, many people has been profoundly life-changing. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been my path. Um, 
And I think you might be able to speak. I love when you talked about like the masculine and the feminine approaches and how both are equally essential. Sometimes when we get into a masculine approach of change your reality, change your thoughts, overcome, overpower without having also the equal potency of the feminine approach, it's in, it doesn't work. A lot of people will find like, I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah. So I want to speak a little to that. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about the importance of masculine feminine balance, whether it's healing or, or manifestation they, they always have to be in synergy with each other. Cause if, if you just are trying to use one without the other, you're like that bird with a broken wing, you know, just flying in circles. And uh, you know, whether it's the um, Joe Dispenza or like Neville Goddard approach of see it, visualize it, feel it, and then you'll bring it into actualization. What's really happening is we actually create reality from our state of being. If you think about yourself like a magnet, that's always like vibrating and attracting like to yourself, then whatever state of being you're putting out into the universe is like a, like a radar you're putting out. And the universe is saying, okay, I'm going to bring you exactly the energy you're giving me. So if you are in a positive state of being, if you're grateful, if you're happy, you better believe the universe is going to bring you stuff that reflects that more things to be grateful for, more things to be happy for, and vice versa for the negative, right? If I'm pessimistic and upset. So the practice of, you know, the Neville Goddard Dispenza, Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction stuff is, to me, it's more like a sleight of hand trick to get people to actually <clears throat> access a state of being. You know what I mean? So I say, Kim, visualize that future moment where you're super successful and happy and healthy and feel what that feels like. And you go, okay, I'm reaching for the future moment. Okay, but there isn't a future moment in time in, in the universe because there isn't time in the universe. It's just something we made up. So it's all happening now. What I'm actually doing is I'm reaching for a state of being, aren't I? That's why we say you have to feel it in order to create it. Feel what it's going to feel like when you're in that state of being. And so you do, and when you can catch hold of it, you've just emitted that radio frequency out and the universe says, okay, now you're a match to attracting that future. So you didn't actually think of a future moment, right? You accessed a state of being and the future moment was just an, a permission slip to do that. Yeah, That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it too. And, and getting back to what we were saying earlier about when we are in that dark, dark density of the dark night of the soul moment, when we're in it and aware of it, we are in an exponentially higher vibrational frequency than when we're in it and resisting it and fighting it and I got to get out of it and being it. And that is why it's such a potent moment is because we're shifting such a deep, deep density that we've resisted. And even though we're not seeing the change, we are now in a higher, you know, I, I'm okay with, it's okay to feel what I feel. Uh, I'm in a higher exponentially higher frequency that is what will allow something new to get created like all of a sudden the door opens you're like i don't even know there was a door here or all of a sudden something <laughs> resolves like i had this stuff happen all the time when like i gotta make a phone call and it's to some like really low frequency system like medical insurance or whatever <laughs> you're like oh, i'm gonna be on here for an hour and yeah i'm gonna hit the wrong prompt and get kicked off and <laughs> i remember being so frustrated and i was like you know what I'm in power, all is well, what else is possible? There and we like, 
hung the phone up and like got a message that same day that was like, oh, blah, blah, blah has been taken care of. And I was like, oh, I didn't even need to mess around with that. Or like someone gets on the phone who's actually really helpful. And you're like, we had a pleasant conversation. It was okay. But I first had to become aware of where I'm functioning from and come into acceptance of it, even just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You can really see the law of attraction also as the law of karma. It's, it's the same thing, right? It's the law of karma in action that if we just take it on face value, what karma yoga says that every single experience I have positive or negative, And again, no circumstance is inherently good or bad or positive or negative, but the way I interpret it or react to it, right? A circumstance happens to pull out of me a certain energy, positive or negative. So the way I react to a circumstance, positive or negative, let's just assume that that's a karmic recycling of a past energy that I put out. Because according to the law of karma or the law of attraction, that's the law, right? Whatever you put out, has to and must and will come back to you. It won't be necessarily in the same exact form and structure, which is what makes it tricky, right? You got to really pay attention and be present because I can call you a jerk, Kim, today and hurt your feelings and I think nothing of it and I move on. And then two weeks later, somebody cuts me off and flips me off and I just get so hurt and offended. Well, I didn't do anything. Why the, the universe is so cruel, man. And I'm not connecting the dots that I made someone else feel like that through my bad action, maybe a few weeks ago or a few months ago or years ago. So just because I don't connect the dots, I think the universe is unfair. So let's get rid of that notion that the universe is unfair and say, what if it's always perfectly fair? Isn't that kind of radical and cutting edge? Because then if I take that at face value, then I have to start taking responsibility over everything that happens to me. So if a rude person gets on the phone with me, I have to say, well, I must have been rude to somebody in the past that I'm so offended at this person's rudeness. So let me forgive this person, right? So I don't recycle this karma. So that's why forgiveness is the ultimate key to self-actualization because forgiveness is the only thing that can shorten the need for karmic experience, right? It cuts off the wheel of karma and says, like when you forgive somebody for something, The universe says, ah, well done. This person doesn't need a karmic recycling anymore. They learned the lesson. But if you hold judgment against them, the universe says, ah, they didn't get it this time. They need another cycling. You're going to attract another experience that matches that frequency. So it's really a, an aspect of self-responsibility. This is such a potent thing to say too, because of what I've been doing in medicine with, you know, we got this chronic disease. I've got this chronic pain and inviting people to go underneath that experience. What's there? Is there if the anger? Is there fear? Is there powerlessness? Is there whatever's there? Yeah. And, and then begin to see, oh, life is giving me this back pain or this fibromyalgia or this never ending, you know, mystery illness. No one can figure out um, to pull out of me a certain energy what would that energy be? And, and it's almost universally some kind of victim energy of yes. uh, where I'm living in separation, where I'm seeing myself as lacking and limited and powerless. And I think 
of all the places we identify, identifying with the body is kind of a core one, right? Like we identify with our relationship, we identify with money or, or a job, but like, wait, I am my body. If my body's in pain and, and a lot of these comments that are coming up are like, how can I do this if I have a disease? How can I do this if I have severe neurologic symptoms? How can I do this and how can I not be attached if blah, blah, blah is physically happening in my body? And yeah. I think it's that same thing as where we're sort of like, um, don't even question the identity with the body. Like, how can I not go into fear when X, Y, Z is happening in my body? But it's the same thing. If, if we go under that experience, what is the universe? Every, every experience happens to pull out of me a certain energy. And we remember like, okay, not like I'm being punished and given this illness because right. well, that is not what we're saying. But what is the energy I've held of my own powerlessness that this illness is like the universe knock, knock, knocking on the door every fucking day? I still have these symptoms. Yes, because the universe is like, I am on board for you surrendering and letting that energy go. That is not true about you. Right. Oh, man. So many ways we can go with this topic, man. So powerful to see this. Um, I love reading near-death experiences. Because a lot of times people will learn those exact lessons that you're talking about when they get to the other side and have their life review. And then it's like just stunningly obvious. All of it's so obvious. They feel stupid for not having seen it. Well, of course I manifested an illness. I lived my whole life in bitterness and resentment and unhappiness. I was bound to manifest something like that because I, it, the universe has to give me back yeah. the energy I'm putting out because the universe is one being. It's not separate. So if I'm putting out a feeling towards life, it's just a feeling towards myself. So the universe will say, okay, no problem. So for example, uh, one of the famous NDEs I've read is a guy named Melon Thomas Benedict, who uh, was a very cynical atheist kind of guy. He has an amazing book and a story about his NDE where he, he believed that the human race was a kind of cancer on planet earth. And he would show like pictures of like a highway, like a city from a aerial view. And you see all the highway and the, the roads all over the planet and the buildings. And he goes, look, it looks just like a tumor with all the vessels and the tumor, right? And he's like, look, we're just a cancer on this planet. We're just a disease that needs to be wiped out. All we do is pollute the earth, pollute one another, selfishness. Humans, a virus that should be eradicated. And so he eventually manifested um, brain cancer and ended up dying from it and went to the afterlife and you know he was fully convinced there's no god there's nothing good in this universe it's just evil and horrible so he goes to the uh, other side he has the same exact experience of meeting the lights and this unconditional overwhelming love and he's shocked that there is a god and he asks the god like why did you make people so evil and horrible if you're so good and the light basically responded and said i didn't do that you did that you made them evil what? And he went back to his memories in his life review of all the things he ever said about humanity. And now they're a cancer, they're a virus, they're a tumor on this planet. He says, and are you surprised that you manifested a tumor? Your body reflected the energy you were holding inside. So to me, and then of course he, he lived and came back and was healed and lived to tell the story. But to me, it's like, like cancer is a great example of it's, it's like this wake up call from life. And we've been we've been sold this lie in the Western medical world that cancer is this unhealable, purely genetic disease. It only happens because the stupid, dumb body 
just doesn't know how to inter interact with itself and just develops a tumor. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's terminal. We can just give you some chemo and radiation to, to prolong your life a little bit. And as I'm sure you know, Kim, there's naturopathic doctors who heal like 90% of their cancer patients. Yeah. And they're like, yo, cancer is not actually that difficult of a disease to heal. It, requ it just requires a dramatic lifestyle change. It and a shift in consciousness, a dramatic shift in consciousness, because yes. you can't make those lifestyle changes until you have chosen to love yourself more. And it's it, it's a shift in consciousness. hundred percent. It's not that your genetics are dumb and your body's dumb and just, oops, a tumor happened because the body's dumb. No, that's not how the body's extremely intelligent. We're the dummies who put poison and toxins in it our whole life and drink alcohol and all this stuff. And then wonder why after 50 years, 30 years of poisoning the body that it manifests a tumor and the body's like, Hey man, I'm just like letting you know, you're out of alignment with the way I work. You've got to put healthy foods in me. Stop poisoning me with toxins and GMOs and pesticides and on and on and on. And when people are willing to take responsibility for the way they've lived their life and say, you're right. If I'm being honest, my diet has been pretty awful. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I have been holding negative feelings towards people and resentment and unforgiveness. And you have to be willing to make those changes within yourself. And when people do, almost all the time, their cancer disappears quickly because yes. it was really just a wake-up call from life. 100%. I, I, would, I would validate that as well. You know dozens of people that that's happened to. I think the biggest key for that has to be courage. Because when we start to see... I've been up to this, this, and this, or like, oh, I guess on some level I have been hating myself. We won't be able to see any of that. Like most of the people who are struggling, you're like, I'm trying so hard and I get what he's saying, but I, I'm not harboring anger. I'm trying so hard to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And we cannot see these things yeah. until yeah. we come into a higher level of uh, love and courage and, and which is non-judgment, right? I'm willing to accept myself as I am. And I want to share a cool thing too, which was in direct relation to your work. I made the intention, I think it was like four weeks ago, maybe five, um, to, to surrender to a higher level. I commit to my oneness, no matter what that looks like. I had, I had a conversation with Kyle Cease actually. Nice. He had shared a story about that and just started my wheels turning about like, yeah, I've done this many times, but I, I think I'm ready to re-up. And it felt like this layer of like, oh, as long as it's not too tumultuous, because you got to be careful what you ask for. And then over the 24 hour period, it was like, Kim, what do you, what's that shit about? Like, what do you think is going to happen that you, that you're going to lose that is actually valuable? Yeah. And so I realized, well, that's just silly. So then it was, I choose my highest self, no matter what that means. And that very day had this interaction with my husband. Now, if you would have asked me, any of these things I was harboring, like you're saying, resentment, protection, defensiveness, blah, 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 blah. No way. Uh-uh, I'm not, no, I am a being of love and my life is dedicated to being love and I'm so understanding and I couldn't have identified this. So, but it, because I'd made that conscious choice, I knew when this stuff came up in this interface, I knew what was actually happening. And I had distinctly said, because in one of your videos you said, don't do it in like every area of my life because then you're going to be running out to the bar to escape everything that's coming up. It's too big. Do it in one area of your life. Yeah. 
and start there. And so my ego did the same thing. It was like, yeah, but I've done so much personal work. I just want it everywhere in my life. Yeah. And the next second was like, okay, I will choose one area and it's with my husband because this is a place where there's so much transparency and like, he's going to call me out in a second if I'm in my own BS. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I knew also that all the other things that were important would follow that. Like they're all, everything else will change my parenting, my money, my, you know, the, the, the stuff that's happening, business, um, all of it would be a reflection of, of this. And so, um, I sat there and it was so painful and he was saying this and saying that and blah, blah, blah. And what the heck is up with that, Kim? And you could, I could feel the oh, yeah. ego like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying this. Mm. He's so unconscious. He's so blah, blah. So judgment, like you wouldn't believe. And yeah. then even this whole, like, wait until I talk to so-and-so and she's going to feel my plate, blah, blah, blah. So like victim getting company kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then protection defensiveness of what the ego wanted to say. Oh, I, I'm going to say this, and but I'm listening. So I'm not saying anything. But what the ego wanted to say in like defensiveness and protection, yeah. it was so loud. And then to not do any of those things and stay in the I am. And as you told me to practice, the one who feels threatened by this is not me. Yes. You're nailing it. And I literally sat through the whole thing and it all dissolved. And he and I came into like a really profound, deeper connection. And then the next day, like the reverberation of like, should I pull back some of these protections? Cause I'm with this person who's not totally conscious and I got to protect myself because yeah. it was so freaking painful. Hmm. And, and I didn't buy any of that stuff either. So it was like, you know, why am I even in this partnership? I could have just taken the solo path. I would have been way better to myself than this person's mm -hmm. being. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So loud. And so um, what what happened, though, was I, I re-upped and I was like, no, I'm I am completely releasing these defenses because I think you got a period of like, should I bring these back on board? I, I, I stayed present. There was a massive, massive recalibration. Weeks before, um, for like 20 years, I'd had these uh, really excruciating headaches that were like, nobody can make sense of them. I've tried everything. And this was like my one place of victimhood in my life, where just like so many in my community, I'm like, WTF, I've tried everything. Nothing works. I don't get this. I can't even comprehend. And it wasn't eating away my life. It wasn't a major fulcrum. Um, but with that consciousness shift, and letting that dissolution of the ego happen, it was profound. Um, within two days, I had already had this appointment scheduled. I met this woman who's so conscious and so dialed in and immediately read my physical symptoms and what was going on. And boom, 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 do this, do this, do this. And within weeks, it's transmuted 100% of that. And this like heavy cloud of victimy, moody, something that was kind of like in a low level background, but always there completely dissolved and it was really because of that shift in consciousness i could do the thing she's asking me to do i it was easy effortless we're still doing this um and and all of these resources have come in so i, I want to say thank you but i also want to just really validate the approach and the power in your work yeah wow you just so well summarized what a conscious relationship is like Aww. All those <laughs> like you know on the on the tough days obviously but no i've had that exact interaction with 
my partner a number of times where you, the need to be right is just screaming so loud and you, your spiritual ego is like, well, I have to, you know, say it in a certain way that doesn't make it seem like I want to be right. But, you know, it takes a lot of self-awareness to look inside and see that that thing at the bottom, which is, no, it's just pride. It's all it is. And I wouldn't have seen the physical symptoms are linked to this thing in me. I've got to be right. I'm harboring resentment. I'm whatever that complex was, which there were every single thing you could say it was in there. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able. So I think the biggest thing is to become curious. If you feel like, well, that's not me. I don't harbor resentment and bitterness. And because they're so unconscious, I couldn't see it. But when we're willing to surrender and be curious, it, life will help us bring it up. Yes. You know, it's funny, as you were talking, I was so relating to what you were saying, because um, recently I had a situation like that where we were in a disagreement about something. And uh, I noticed that part of me that wanted to be right just wouldn't give up the fight and um, wanted to control the, the situation or conversation. And, and you know, we, we talk very like um, normally to one another, but in, inside I'm like battling my ego and what it wants to say. And no, 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 what's the most conscious or loving thing to say? And it, the ego is just winning, you know? And I was so humiliated with myself. And like, I felt so much guilt afterwards. And I can't believe I gave in. You know, we had this stupid discussion for an hour because my dumb ego couldn't say, couldn't say, okay. Just couldn't be okay with oh, not having my point or whatever. It's painful. It is. So I, because you, again, it's that sensitivity, right? The increasing sensitivity you have. So I literally went to go meditate afterwards. And I'm sitting in meditation and just doing, trying to find that part of me that needs to be right and say, it's okay that you want to be right. You're not wrong. You're not unspiritual. You just haven't seen the highest truth yet is all. So let me show you what the highest truth is. It's just love. Love doesn't need to be right, you know? And I'm doing this shadow work and I get this splintering migraine on the right side of my temple. Um, and as many people watching might know, we have typically um, our energy is... Um, located on the right side is masculine and the left side is feminine in the hindu tradition they have the, the nadis which are um uh, channels that connect energy centers so we have the uh, pingala nadi on the right which is the masculine nadi and the ida nadi on the left so it's solar energy moon energy masculine feminine and a lot of times people say oh i get these things on the left side of my head or the right side of my head or lights left side of my body and i say it could be a part of your feminine energy trying to get healed or balanced, right? So literally I had this splitting migraine as I'm doing this shadow work on the right temple, which is the masculine side. And I was just so aware that that's a distortion in my masculine energy arising to be healed. And as it's going through that depolarization process, oftentimes it can be experienced as physical pain. Yes. You ever have that happen? It's important to recognize what you're saying though, like that we make physical illness or pain wrong. Right. When, as you're demonstrating, it's it's the completion of healing and energy beginning to really move out. Yeah, it's a communication. Your body's speaking to you, right? But are you listening is the question. Yeah, and how are you listening? Are you listening from, oh, oh no, the pain's getting worse. Now it changed. Now it's this. And you're like guacamole where you're like putting yeah. your mole back in the hole. Guacamole. Yeah, versus, oh, I, let me get curious what 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 is required here what wants to move in me maybe i soften my body a little more yeah to allow it yeah 
Um, so Aaron, I know you're at AaronAbkey.com. I will definitely invite everyone to go and visit your site to just learn more about what you're doing. Um, for sure, subscribe to your YouTube because I mean, all of the playlists, I've gone through so many of the playlists have been so profound for me. Um, and, and I've listened to them, some of them quickly, not just like over, maybe they're prescribed a little like longer time, but I'm like absorbing, absorbing it. And I'll move through really powerful integration with that. So I would invite people to to go in and receive that if this resonates with you. Um, what are you, where, what are you working on right now? And, and what is your, uh, where's your energy going? Well, I got a lot of exciting stuff happening right now uh, in my content. I'm, I started a new series called Spiritual Intelligence, yeah. which is kind of like a teaching modality that I worked on for a while of um, kind of understanding through the chakra system. If you look at chakras as seven levels of spiritual intelligence to activate and actualize in yourself, it's kind of centered around that theme and, and how to do so and how to unlock these levels. And so I'm going to be moving all of my courses and, and content and my master classes onto a, a membership base, which is going to make it way more affordable because right now I have a, a team that I had a contract with to do like selling them individually for a higher, a higher price point that made it um, less accessible to people than I would like. So the contract's finally going to be up soon and I'm just going to move it all to a monthly membership base that allows virtually anyone to be able to afford all my courses. And so I have three courses that will be in there immediately, uh, a law of one course, an ACIM course, and my master class. And then I'm working on a course called Meditation Mastery that I'm so jacked up about because meditation is like my love and my, my heart. <laughs> I want to give that to the world so badly. So I'm doing an eight-week program of a, a guided meditation every day to take you through all the different levels of meditation. And basically, like anyone who wants to really – get into this practice and unlock all the potential of it. Who's like, oh, I just can't meditate. It's so hard. My mind's noisy. Like in eight weeks, I'm going to take you from that point to, I can't wait to meditate today. It's my favorite time of the day. You know, Cool. <laughs> that is actually really exciting. I, I think a lot of people would want that. <laughs> I think so too. Yes. <laughs> so AaronAbkey.com is the best place for them to look for those resources. Yeah, it'll probably be like two or three months from now when that rolls out. Um, but yeah, AaronRapke.com will be the place you can find it. And then all my content, hundreds of hundreds of videos is uh, YouTube.com slash AaronRapke. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm glad we met. Um, I am always really grateful um, to connect with other people who are deeply, deeply committed to the, the light and the truth and like letting that live through you. and it's that makes my life here so blessed. So I could not agree I'm so more. glad we we connected. Is there anything else you want to share that we didn't touch on? No, I just thank you so much for having me on and facilitating this conversation. I knew it was going to be good and we were going to go deep, but it was like, boom, as soon as the gun was shot, we were off, man. It's been so fun. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, everyone. I love you. I love you. I'm here every week for Mind Body TV at, um, at, my YouTube channel, Dr. Kim Doremo, the Mind Body Community and Facebook. And most of you are aware of my website is drkimd.com. If you would like to be posted for other resources we are doing here. We do have a webinar actually next week. I might as well share that next week on um, 
Thursday, uh, which is really about um, alive women who are ready to step into your power. And a lot of what gets locked up in our body physically, that is actually, we can access that for our creation in our lives. So that webinar will be at drkimd.com forward slash webinar. And uh, you can register for that for free if that resonates with you. Um, I will see you here next week. Share lots of love with Aaron. You can go and see him on YouTube and uh, we will maybe see him again in the future. Yes, I love you guys. You've been listening to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. For a special download to assist with integrating this work, go to drkimd.com forward slash podcast.